I don't like the Gators. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> just really, I really don't like them. Miami is, you know, it's a respect thing there. I really didn't. That rivalry was that playing that game was always cool because I mean, even in my younger pictures, I was, you know, had all Miami stuff on. That's why I, I really wanted to go as well. So getting to play against them, it was just a really cool experience. But you know, Florida, it just, oh, it's just. <laughs> hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dogs! Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub, in the house. We're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a wonderful, fantastic Wednesday evening, this time an even better one. The slow days are here during the offseason, so this gives us a chance to jump back with some former Knowles and jump into some interviews. And this time we've got a special one, one that I've been looking forward to for a couple of years now, and that's 2013 national champion Terrence Brooks, my man from DBU. How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we got to catch up with you down in Orlando with uh, Kenny. That was great, man. That was a fun camp. A lot of former Knowles try to come down and hang out mm-hmm. with him and help support those camps. He had one a couple years ago. and It was, it was a great turnout. But what do you think, being able to see some of the former guys, your former teammates, some that you might have not have seen in a while? Yeah, man, it's always good. We always try to – whenever one of us throws a function or something like that, we try to get out and support um, – Man, that brotherhood is just so close that it's it's so natural when we all get together. It's like we we never left each other. So it's always like I said, it's always good being down there, getting to see those guys again. And man, it it, it was an awesome time. Brings back a lot of memories, a lot of good memories. How big is it for you to have those relationships with your former teammates at Florida State? You know, especially when it's been quite some time. You know, since you suited up in Tallahassee, to to still be able to have those connections, what's it mean? Um, to me, honestly, it means a lot. Um, you always got some guys that you can rely on, you can depend on to come out and support you. Um, and even just, I mean, even bigger than football, we got a lot of guys who support each other and check up on each other and make sure we're good mentally. And, you know, just reaching out, anything that we're doing now that can help out each other, we always um, just reach out and able to rely on those guys in that sense. So it's awesome. Special, special bonds that we always have. I'm going to say, I feel like after the national championship, in 2013, we've had a few guys come on here. Carlos, he actually was one of our co-hosts. I think we talk, talked about that at Kenny's camp. He co-hosted this show for a little while, but also, of course, Kenny, uh, James Wilder Jr., and a few others. They said, you know, they had the national championship. You guys did. And then kind of some of them went right into training for the NFL draft, and then you didn't get to see them for a really long while unless maybe you saw them on Sundays. But it feels like it's got to it's got to have a special bond for you guys always to be there to support one another. It had to have started what? And, and the locker room, where do you think that came from, from that team? 
to be honest, well, that championship team, I would say, honestly, the, the first day we really got there, we had a few guys that kind of took some leadership. And right away, I feel like we all, like, banded together and we were, you know, going out to eat together, going out together, just anything that we can do as a group we were doing. And it, it really made us closer, like, right from day one. So it was awesome, you know, some a lot of wild times over at Burnt Riddles Hall over there. So <laughs> it got pretty crazy. <laughs> who, who were you roomed with uh, during your – freshman years or, or throughout your career at Florida State? Man, Darius Cummings. He was there for me for a little bit, and he switched up on us and went to the Gators. So. Yeah, he did. <laughs> That's all I can say for that one. But, you know, started out started out all right. Didn't end too well. <laughs> for him, at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted to get into a little bit of, you know, just what you're doing now, because obviously, you know, we mentioned Kenny's camp, and you were out there working with – some of the youth kids and also the high school kids as well. And earlier this year, you accepted a position to join Niceville High School's uh, coaching staff. I believe it's the first coaching job of your career. Correct me if I'm wrong. So I guess just what led you to decide to transition into coaching and, you know, what kind of impact are you hoping to make on those um, guys at the high school level? Really just, I mean, just being around the game, man. That's it's, If I can stay around in that sense, um, I mean, I'm all for it, but – that's not my first coaching gig. I was actually coaching my son's little league football team, and okay. we got after it out there. So after that, and then after being me being done with ball, man, it just like it was natural for me to choose a, you know, elite organization like Niceville High School and get out there and really, you know, volunteer, do the stuff for my son and the younger kids, and you know, mold them and give them great fundamentals, and then all the way up into the high school, I get to you know coach those kids and hopefully change their lives and get them to the next level and at least you know grow them as athletes, but also men in the community. Do you take some of your coaching abilities and tactics tactics from some of your coaches during your time at Florida State? Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, for sure. Definitely yeah. with the fourth quarter drills and stuff. I get that from Odell Higgins. He, you know, he tried to kill us out there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of a lot of stuff that Jimbo instilled in us and some previous coaches before that. Um, Spent some good time talking with Terrell Buckley, Lawrence Dawsey, um, Mickey Andrews when he recruited me. All those guys, man, I kind of picked from as, as you know, men in the community and for, you know, leading a football team and also just getting better as a player. So some of those th same morals and, you know, lessons they've taught me, I've been able to pass that down to the younger generation. It's, it feels great, man. It's cool to see those kids, you know, develop and apply it to life. It, it's awesome. And, yeah, we're going to, you know, talk a lot about your time at Florida State and in the NFL, but I want to go back a little bit further to um, the high school recruiting process a little bit, you know, if you can think back that far. But just, you know, what led you to commit to Florida State at that time, decide to um, build a college career in Tallahassee? And is it true that you grew up a, a Florida fan? And if so, why did you decide to go with the Seminoles over the Gators? <laughs> oh, man. That was still – that's that was still kind of touchy for me, man. Oh, oh, sorry. So, so with um, with Florida State, I, I I hate to say it, but I was just not never a big fan of them. I didn't really watch it much. Um, being now from Denella, Florida, Gainesville is like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour right down the road. So mm -hmm. a little bit of that influence is there. But um, – my whole coaching staff were Frank Beasley, um, Tommy Sutton, um, Coach Richardson. Those are all those guys were huge Florida State fans, and they were all coaching me throughout whole, uh, my whole time in high school. And um, it just so happened Florida invited me out to you know their annual Friday Night Lights camp. Went out there, they're like, "Hey, we need you to shut down a couple of guys, and we'll give you a scholarship." And um, 
at that time, I think it was like Ace Sanders and like, you know, Jonathan Dowling and like all these like big name prospects that were there that are really good receivers. Um, and oh, and Quentin Dunbar, who went to Florida State as well. So he was like, come out here, shut down these guys, and, you know, we'll give you a scholarship. So I went out there, did just that, didn't hear anything from them. But just so happened, you know, the Showtime camp for Florida State was coming up that week after. And uh, we went out there, and, I mean, I did well with that. And my coach was like, man, it looks kind of good out here, bro. I don't know. What are you going to do? So they kept egging me on. You know, I was like, man, forget it. Like, let's go. I want to at least be able to play the Gators and kind of give it back to them. But uh, when I say it worked out well, it worked out well. <laughs> so I'm glad I made that assist, man. It was, it was the best one I ever made. Yeah, you came in a class in 2010, and I feel like a lot of people covering Florida State and definitely fans-wise, they look at that, and the year before that, definitely 2012 as one that just got to that point in 2013. How was it seeing y'all make that climb from 2010, 2013, winning the national championship, being there for all of that experience? Man, I, I honestly say I, I pay a lot to those guys before us. So, um they kind of laid down the foundation, kind of what they expected from Florida State through coaches as well. Um, you know, you got the Xavier Rhodes, you got the Nick Moody's, the Terrence Parks, you know, Chris Thompson's, you know, all those, EJ Manuel, you got all those guys that kind of gave us the standard. And we just really built off of that and took that to heart. But really, I think we threw our own little twist in it, man, from being, you know, that group that's been together since day one. I feel like we kind of put our own flavor on it, had just, just had so much confidence and, I don't think we really, you know, knew how good we were until that Clemson game. I think that's when we we're like, okay, yeah, I think I think we got something over here. So it's pretty cool. Once you got into college, you were you recruited as a corner, but once you made that transition to safety, what was that decision like? Was it something you wanted? Was it something the staff wanted? And, and where was your headspace at then? I mean, they put on thirty five pounds on me like over the summer, like so it was. I mean, my first summer there, so it was crazy. So, um, but at that time, you know, we, my guy, LaMarcus Jordan, he was there. And I think during that time, they were trying to all, just figure out how we can get all these guys on the field because we were all competing. We were all doing very well and standing out. So he was like, what do you, I think Jimbo came to me or a couple of coaches came to me and was like, man, you're versatile. You can't play corner, but what do you think at safety? And I was like, well, shoot, I feel like I put on enough weight, you know, to, to go back there and handle business. So, you know, I just made that transition and, and it it worked out. It was awesome. Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned that Clemson game, and obviously that was a night you guys went there and just blew the blew the brakes off the Tigers. And I think that was when the national media really started embracing Florida State as a real national title contender at that time. And you know, was there was it that night for you? It was, or was there a time before that when you knew that that 2013 team could really be special and make that dominant run? man I, I I always talk about our practices I feel like that was something that I wish you know people were so excited to see the games I wish they could have seen how we were every day in practice I mean if you can imagine that that offense with Jameis and all those guys against our defense you can kind of get a gist of you know how practice will be every day I mean we got people out there fighting you got you know high competition level so by the time we really got the games I mean it was fun. It was like our party at that point. We just was like, hey, man, we don't work so hard. Let's go out here and just dominate. And, um, you know, they always schedule a little easier games in the beginning just to kind of get your feet up under you. And, you know, we had, um, you know, Clemson came up and we knew that was going to be a good match or a good, you know, well-disciplined team with a lot of star power. But, I mean, 
I feel like we just had a confidence that just couldn't be matched. And it's just, it, we weren't, you know, we weren't going to lay down for anybody. So it, I feel like from that point on through just seeing how we intense practices were, I feel like we were going to be good, but you know, as the season grew, we didn't really know we were going to be that good. So <laughs> for sure. It's funny you bring up the practices because, you know, we mentioned Carlos earlier, but also James Water before, you know, they've mentioned how much, you know, going against you guys in practices made the games, like you said, kind of kind of easy and just a time to go out there and have fun and, and beat up on the competition. So, I mean, iron, iron sharpens iron, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like I don't know if fans really notice, but like, Pretty much throughout the whole season, we didn't – our first defense really didn't even get to play a second half. I mean, we were blowing out teams that bad. So, it was like if you can imagine you got all these hungry guys who were prepared all week and then we go out there and we're knowing like, hey, we could only be limited to only playing a half of football. You know, you get guys got going out there ready to like, you know, hit everything that moves. So, it was a, it was a really cool experience, man. And, you know, it just worked out well, man. I, I still get chills thinking about that whole season. And speaking of blowouts, what led y'all playing Heyman on the sideline on the whiteboard? Oh yeah, we need a full we need the full breakdown on this one because that went viral. I was looking through some articles today, and so many national outlets picked that up. <laughs> Man, yo, we almost got in trouble for that too. <laughs> like Jimbo, Jimbo, I, I, we usually have, on Sundays we have stretch and stride. And it's basically like, you know, after the game, we go get loosened up, making sure, like, you know, take care of bodies. And, like, the whole time the team's, like, looking at us three and we're like, man, Coach, like, Jimbo's going to kill y'all. Like, that thing went viral. It was everywhere. So, you know, we were a little uh, nervous about that. And he called us up and talked to us about it. And he was like, man, you guys can't be doing that. But that was pretty cool right there with y'all. <laughs> but um, – Honestly, man, I, I think we got to leave that word a mystery, man. I feel like there's a lot. Come on, man. Give it up, man. It's too good, man. You got to keep it. But that was a great one, <laughs> man. I mean, PJ Williams, I mean, guy that grew up around the same hometown as I did, uh, very close with him still to this day. And then obviously, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, he's at the time a younger guy and he had a lot of confidence going in, too. But he was a guy that I really just wanted to you know, stay close with and just be like, hey, coach, put this kid at safety. Like, let's see what we can do. Let's 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 go. Like, and he he adapted so fast and he's grown into the player that y'all see today. But man, now that, that was a great moment right there. We just, you know, having fun, you know, we were bored. I'll tell you again, we were all about to <laughs> second half. So we have nothing to do with that right there. Do you uh, remember who grabbed the whiteboard and was like, hey, Let's play Hangman. Definitely me, though. I did that. <laughs> they, 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 were, they were young, so they weren't going to do it. But I was like, man, we're chilling anyway. Like, let's go ahead and enjoy Yeah, that's when y'all were ranked number two in the country, beating Syracuse 59-3. to three. Man, almost did, the, almost did the shutout there. Yeah. Man, did y'all ever get ticked off if y'all allowed some points there? Because, I mean, y'all used to run it up like crazy. Remember the Maryland game? Remember oh, all the national media was talking about it, saying, oh, Florida State's probably going to get it get uh get yeah. upset here watch out yeah honestly that's what i i kind of always tell people about that team is like you know it would be cool to shut out guys but we're beating them 59 3 i mean it's not really at that yeah. point it's like whatever we got the win we did what we're supposed to do but um what was so cool about that team is like nobody was thinking about you know the next game or you know their draft stock or you know media rankings or social media like we it was it was real weird. Like we never talked about that stuff. We never like harped on it. It was just like, okay, what are we doing today? Like we always tried to handle it day by day and kind of go with that sense. So, 
Jimbo's always, you know, he's always giving us saying just win the day, you know, and that's what we kind of did and just really just wanted to keep stacking good days. And that's what, you know, led us to what we, what we are today. You played with another great safety. You mentioned him earlier, but LaMarcus Joyner. Tell us a little bit about him because he's not a big social media guy. I think we were talking about that at Kenny's camp. You never see him posting stuff. And then we had hard knocks whenever he was with the Rams. And he really, that's just exactly who he is. He, he's really focused on the game and perfecting his his craft. Just tell us about playing with him and when the first time you knew this dude was a dog. Man. I can't say enough good about the dude. I mean, he's he like you said, he is he is a quiet guy. I wouldn't say quiet, but he is he's like an older soul. He just he's kind of wants to stay out of the way, you know, take care of his business. And that's what, you know, I kind of gravitated to my first year, um, knowing that he was I, I think it was me, just me and him, honestly, in that class were corners. I'm not quite sure who else came in with us, uh, not right off the head, but um he was a guy I knew I was coming in with. And at that time, you know, LaMarcus was, you know, the five-star athlete. He was, you know, the guy. And I could tell, I watched this film and I was like, yeah, he he deserves it. He's one of those guys that, you know, goes out and plays with his hair on fire. And, you know, he, I was like, I want to, you know, kind of pick this guy's brain when I come in. Because at the time I was, you know, barely a three-star, you know, getting to Florida State. But I was fortunate enough to get there. I wanted to go compete with the best. But LaMarcus just always had a, you know, just like go get a mindset. Like he's just like, I, he means business. Like when a dude plays, you can see it in his eyes. Like he's, he's going out there to, you know, destroy everything. And that's something kind of to set the tone for us too in the secondary. It was just something that, you know, grab everybody gravitated to and was like, hey, this is how we're going to play. We're going to play physical. We're going to make guys earn everything that they get. And uh, I feel like LaMarcus Jones, he really set the tone with that. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that dude. Anytime we do see each other, man, it's always love. You finished uh, seven and one during your career against Florida and Miami. Um, so, how much did you and those teams relish, you know, those rivalry games? And I mean, really taking it to both the Gators and the Hurricanes because most of those matchups during that time period weren't even close. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the Gators. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I really don't like them. Miami is, you know, it's a respect thing there. I really didn't. That rivalry was that playing that game was always cool because I mean even in my younger pitchers I was you know had all Miami stuff on that's why I, I really wanted to go as well so getting to play against them it was just a really cool experience but you know Florida it just oh it's just <laughs> you can't like I don't even know how to describe the feeling it's just like once you commit to one of those schools it's kind of like war with the other one so just naturally, you know, getting all the heat from, you know, the fans and the trash talking and all that stuff. You kind of just already get geared up for it. It's, you know, they think they're the best in everything. Just, you know, just whatever. But they had their one game and, you know, give them that. But going and whooping their ass in their stadium, excuse me, going and, whooping oh, them good. In, going and whooping them in their stadium, man, I mean, it ain't nothing like that. I'll take that every time. Yeah, I was there for that one in 2013 and obliterated was, them every – yeah, that was one of my favorite games. That was awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you, lean into that. What what maybe stands out as one of your favorite games? Outside of that, of course, you've got the national championship too, but, you know, you had a lot of fun mm. games throughout your career. But what stands out the most? Man, just that season? Any season, any anyone in your career at Florida State. Oh, man, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. There's a lot. That's a good one. Um. Uh, 
Man, if I if I honestly playing, damn, that's actually a good one. <laughs> yeah, you gotta stop me on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, because there's right. so many good games. I mean, it's it's a good thing. For some reason, no, I'll tell you exactly. NC State, 2013 NC State was like I played very well that game, but that was a game that. I don't know if you guys remember, but they beat us at their home that one year in 2012. 12, 12, yeah. And that was the, honestly, that was the year I thought we were going to win the national championship. Cause we, I mean, we were stacked. I mean, we had, we had guys everywhere. Then that win just, I mean, I feel like it lingers so much with that whole group too. So like when that game came, it was just like, it, it, it was just, you didn't need any hype. You didn't need anything. Like we already knew what we needed to do and, Man, that one, I, that was one game I would say in my college career that, like, losing in 2012 to them was just, oh, it was tough. It stayed with us for a long time. Mm-hmm. What, on that same vein, was there an atmosphere that was crazy in that Oklahoma game in 2011? Oh, that was – today I still feel like that was the, the one of the biggest games. I mean, I've never seen Doke like that ever. I mean, I, I probably, probably still won't. Like, that – I'm pretty sure we couldn't hear for a couple of days after that. Like that game was like, it was just intense. It was like, it was, but it was a test for us too. Like, and I feel like we did rise to the occasion, but it was, man, I've never seen dope like that. that anybody who was there will for sure remember it and for sure tell you the same thing. Like it was crazy. Yeah, that was the loudest I've ever heard, Doke. And you've had a couple Clemson games as well at home, of course, Florida and Miami. But that 2011 one, I think we've talked with Kenny about that because he's he's the one that got hit there pretty badly in the the end zone, man. And he took some shots during his career. He did. And he he keeps coming back, man. Kenny's a tough dude. I love that guy, man. But he took one then. He took a good one. (laughs) But he got up, man. He got up after that and, you know, went on to have a great career after that too. But Mm – that, that was definitely a moment, too, with Kenny going down like that. That was – we're like, okay, we got to – we see this guy. We got a guy right here that's going to fight for this team. And, it, it, man, Shaw is wrong, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask about the coaching staff a little bit because you played your first three years under um, Mark Stoops as defensive coordinator before transitioning mm-hmm. to Jeremy Pruitt. So I just wanted to ask, you know, what were some differences between those two guys and how did Pruitt elevate that unit to – really playing at an all-time level going into 2013? Uh, man, I love both guys. I feel like Stoops, um, he really laid down, like, you know, the standard, kind of more of the discipline type coach to, you know, get everybody in line. And, you know, he was tough. He was for sure tough on me, I'll tell you that. I mean, he he expected a lot out of me, and he he made sure he got it. But he was um, he was definitely a tough coach, and, and, it, and it helped us. It helped us because, you know, sometimes kids get – caught in the fact of thinking they made it and, you know, kind of get complacent and stuff. But he was a guy who kind of reeled us in and made us realize how big, you know, Florida State football is. And I would say with Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, that dude just – I mean, he radiates with confidence. Like, he's like – he he just walks around with it. He demands that out of our group. And and he was a guy that I feel, I feel like really gave us the confidence to go out there and, like, you know, just let loose and be ourselves. Um just a smooth dude. I, I love that guy. I would love to play for him any day. I wanted to go back a little bit too before that 2013 season and ask you about that quarterback competition that you had that 
on the offensive side, Brian Stork, he does a show with us now called Calculated Chaos, and he admitted that he thought it was extremely close. Like he said he couldn't, you know, come up with who would have won that between Coker and Jameis. What were your thoughts on that competition, being on the other side and defending those two quarterbacks? Um, man, I like I love both guys. I mean, they were they were um I couldn't tell either. Coker was on fire, Jameis was who he is. It was it was really just up in the air, and I, they put, both played well against our defense. So it was, it was a tough matchup, man. Like he's he's right on. I all the way until you know, getting close to the season, you you wouldn't know who it was. As a defense, you know, we were we weren't really worried about. It. We knew who like what we were gonna do, but man, that that he's right on with it. That that competition was so crazy just to watch on film and see the things that they were able to do to the defense. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think a lot of people go back and they talk about the 2012 game like we were just talking about with the NC State. And they're like, well, if Jameis was in there, it would have been a whole different story. But people really underestimate the ability and talent level of EJ Manuel. I mean, that guy was special and what he was able to do and lead and further into the NFL. He's awesome, man. Great dude. EJ is another baller too, man. That dude had it all. So we have some great quarterbacks coming through there, man. Great quarterbacks. And obviously, we've got to talk about the national championship game. Um, Logan might be able to lead into it a little bit better than me. But, I mean, can you just take us through that night a little bit, you know, facing that deficit, making the comeback, having Jameis lead that game-winning drive, and then, you know, ending it off winning Florida State, winning the final BCS national championship. Can you take us through a little bit of that? That night and that experience. Definitely, definitely. Guys, I got to grab my charger real quick. You're good. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. You're perfectly good. Step jump stage. You know, we've got some real anticipation building now. I'm I'm jumping in through a quick hitter here. We're on a live podcast. Mackenzie Milne, Tennessee offensive analyst. Quick thoughts on that. Congratulations to him. I knew we knew that he would go into a a coaching role. So good for him. Yeah, obviously. Well, we'll talk about it later. There you go. Hey, we're back now. We're back now. Just uh, kind of take us through a little bit of the, well, the national championship, you know, coming back against Auburn, Jameis leading that game-winning drive, and just what it was like playing between the lines that night and also celebrating afterwards winning that national championship. Man, that was a tough one. (laughs) That was a tough game right there. We – we tried to simulate, you know, that offense, um, but it just – it was – it's nothing like it. That They were fast. They were big. You know, the tempo of their offense was, you know, just really crazy. It was something that we never really faced that whole year. Um, and, you know, we took we took took a lot of, you know, heat in the beginning. You know, they went up, what, 21-3 on mm-hmm. us at one point. And I took a, a, good, a good hit from, I think it was Greg Robinson. I mean, smacked me on the screenplay. And um, it just took it just took us really getting beat up like that in the beginning to like, you know, figure out who we really were and what we really wanted out of this whole season. And you know, we went down, we battled back. We we knew we had to make some good stands as a defense. We knew the offense, you know, they can put up points and explode at any time. But it took us as a defense to figure it out and stop those guys so we can get a chance. Now I think we shut them out that whole third quarter. I want to say um, made some really good stops. Everybody played really sound football. We had a great, you know, trick play from Carlos. And um, what was crazy is I I think it was a play – was it Trey Mason? I think he scored on one play. 
And they did um, the Heisman pose. Yeah, the Heisman pose. And I and I think people thought we were kind of trying to let them score then, but they really did score on that that drive. Um, yeah. But then we all looked at each other, and we were like, they gave us they, like we got enough time, like we're good. And what's crazy is this note. Oh, it looks so strange. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so funny to look at that because what happens afterwards. But it was just like it was a moment. But it, what's crazy is, and I tell everybody this. We practice that same exact scenario in practice, like the same, like same amount of time, basically, like same around the same uh, field position, everything. Like we went through it so many times. So it was like when we finally got it, it was so crazy to see how it all came together because we looked at the time, we looked at a score, we looked at the field position. It was like, dude, we've been through this. Like we're good, we're good. And you know, as a defense, you know, we're watching, but for some reason, it was just a sense of like you know, we were comfortable. Like, we were like, we're good. Like, I feel like we went through this so many times and prepared for it so many times. And to watch, you know, Jameis lead down the field like he does, man, it it was just like, we've done that in practice. We've seen that a thousand times. And it just all, like, just kept working out, kept working out. And um, when they got down there and he threw that that nice, beautiful pass to, uh, to Kelvin, man, we were just like, we'll take our chances, him against, you know, that smaller guy. We'll see what, what happens. And he threw it up and he came down with it. And we kind of all looked at each other and was like, I mean, shit, we did it. <laughs> I mean, there it is. And just, it still is such a blur, man. I mean, at that at that moment, so many emotions are going and, you know, you're running around hugging everybody, trying to find your family. You're trying to, you know, it was just a wild experience. But to cap off the season that way, man, it, it was it was a beautiful thing because we had worked so hard for that. And honestly, I can say I feel like we deserved it. Mm-hmm. I've got a million things I could ask going back to FSU career, but I do want to <laughs> move on with some of the like the pro stuff and also you know the current team of Florida State. But I do have one more though. Who was who gave you the most fits during your time at Florida State at wide receiver? Who who did you like matching up against and kind of irritated you a little bit? Oof. Well, a couple guys. I mean, just. Kenny Shaw, I mean, he was just a dynamic receiver. Him and Rashad Green, they were just, you know, giving everybody problems always. And Kenny likes to talk, too, so you got to find a way to shut him up. You knew you couldn't hit him in practice like you wanted to, but, you know, if we were playing two-hand touch, he's killing everybody. But um, him, and I would say Nick O'Leary, man. Like, I I really didn't get to guard too many of the receivers uh, because I went to safety really quick. But Nick O'Leary was just a guy that, like, when you think about just a football player, like he is that guy, like comes out there with no gloves on. I'm like, who is this guy? And he's just like, no gloves on, like ankle socks, like no swag. He's just out there to really just like cause havoc. And um, man, it, it was cool to go against him every day in practice. He, he's just a dynamic tight end. He was, he was awesome. I do want to ask about one of the corners. I feel like there's one guy that's kind of forgotten FSU lore. Like we talk about PJ and Darby and Xavier Rhodes, but Mike Harris, the guy he came in with, he came in out of JUCO, but yeah. he was good. What was playing with him like? They don't they don't talk about him enough for sure. One of the smoothest corners that I've seen come through there. I mean, technique-wise, just good speed. It didn't even look like he was really trying that hard. He was just always in good position, you know, quiet dude, like just smooth. With it. That was like one word I would say is just smooth, man. Mike Harris was definitely a baller, and I feel like, you know, he – a guy that was definitely slept on throughout his career, but he did he did amazing for us. Like Logan said, I want to talk about your time in the NFL a little bit. Uh, Bill Belichick, John Harbaugh, Doug Peterson, Todd Bowles, David Coley. 
and you played under a lot of talent at the professional level. Who would you enjoy playing with, uh, playing under the most, I guess, during your time in the NFL? Definitely the Patriots. That was, I mean, learning from Bill, that was, that was amazing. And to see, like, you know, sit down with him in his office and kind of hear him talk about my game and, you know, what he likes. And it was just, it was just a cool experience, man. It's something I'll, I'll always remember. He was very tough on me. He got a lot out of me, demanded a lot. He put me in so many po- different positions out on the field to utilize my talents. And, man, he, he, I would say that was one organization that really helped me up my game and kind of teach me how, you know, the standard of how you're supposed to do things and go about your business as a pro. Um, I, I had an amazing time there. Boston's definitely a, a really cool sports city. What is, what is, what is Belichick behind yeah. the scenes? What is, what is he like? Same thing y'all see on. <laughs> I mean, he, he just has like, he's funny though. He, I mean, a hilarious dude, but it's just in his own way. And you just kind of got to be around him to hear his like little dry jokes and stuff like that. But man, mm-hmm. Bill, he, he's awesome. man. exactly what you like see on the, on the TV. He gives y'all a little bit less, but you know, he's, he's definitely a cool guy, man. And, and just a genius, man. He's, he knows his game and, I think what really separate him separates him from a lot of a lot of coaches in the league is how detailed he is. I mean, he's 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 breaking down the game from the wind pattern in the stadium. Like he's telling you, <laughs> hey, when the ball is on, like you know, in the air on this sideline, it's gonna drop right here. Like he knows like all these things. He gives you a whole briefing of you know the organization and their coaches and where they come from and the referees and their tendencies and what they like to call. I mean, if it's something in the game that's going to give you an edge, like he is on it. And I feel like that's something that, you know, kind of separates him from a lot of people. While we're talking about the Patriots, I've got to ask, what was it like playing uh, alongside Tom Brady? You know, did you guys have any memorable interactions during your time with the Patriots? And what was the locker room also like, you know, once he departed for Tampa Bay? Man, I think – that guy, I mean, he I couldn't say enough of good about him either. I mean, he is the GOAT, but like I remember first coming there after I signed my contract, um, and first came into the building, they were coming out of meetings, and he walked up to me, he was like, Hey Terrence, like, and I'm at that moment, I'm like, Oh, like, <laughs> but he's like, I'm Tom Brady, and I'm like, like, bro, come on, man. Like, <laughs> like I know who you are, but he's like, he's like, Man, I'm so happy to have like have you on the team. Like, cause I went against them. I played for the Jets the years before that. Mm-hmm. So I got to go against them a few times. And um, he was just like, man, he's like, I love what you did over there. I'm so glad you're over here. Like, I remember, you know, game planning for you and stuff like that. Like, and I'm like, the whole time I'm like looking like, damn, like he actually pays attention. Like, what is like, what's going on? But it was just a cool experience to interact with him and kind of see him like, you know, actually come up to me and introduce himself and say how good of a player I am. And man, that was just an awesome experience. And it, it really kind of, you know, catapulted me into a, a great couple two years with them and it was it was amazing but tom is he's fire that's my guy we've had we've been lucky to be able to cover him we covered him this last season mm-hmm. uh, with our bucks site and you know he's a guy watching him during practice he's very hands-on he, he's almost the coach yeah. out on on the field and so you could kind of tell maybe what was going on in new england you got a lot of alpha heads in there but Tom Brady was he, he ran practices here in Tampa yeah. what really wasn't much of the coaches doing anything yeah. <laughs> they were doing their thing but Brady's yeah. making sure things are moving at a certain pace that he wants it to be and it's got to be at a high caliber because he's highly competitive I mean you expect that too I mean he he's seen a lot of the game he knows a lot and 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you would you would be kind of dumb not to take some information from him and kind of listen to what he has to say. So, man, Thomas, yeah, he's another coach on the field. It's it's something great to have with him out there. I want to jump in. I, maybe Dustin has another one on the pro side, but I kind of before we we let you out of here, I want to get your thoughts on a little bit of Florida State where they're at. Um, obviously, have had a big climb having a 10 win season last year and slowly but surely getting to a point where national outlets are talking about them a lot they're going to be a preseason top 10 team facing the LSU Tigers to kick off the 2023 season how much have you kept up with it I don't know if you've had any interactions with Mike Norvell but you know kind of your first initial thoughts about Florida State and where they're at at the moment um, I like where it's heading man I mean I feel like he's he's bringing back that culture and kind of a style of play it was Man, it was tough to watch those other years, you know, kind of, you know, especially just the defensive side, seeing them really not get after it and kind of have the the tenacity that we usually do as a defense. That was very frustrating to watch because, you know, people love to hate Florida State. I mean, it's 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 a it's really a thing and it's everywhere. Like that year that we, you know, we weren't that great. We were getting I mean, I got it the whole year. People just love to come up to me and, you know, talk all the noise and whatnot. But. Now that you know we're getting some buzz and we're we're getting back might have disconnected there. Might have gone through <laughs> the charger was, I was hoping it wasn't me. <laughs> I, thought, I thought for sure I had lost the connection to mine, but maybe Terrence we might have just disconnected for a second there. But I know exactly where he stopped. He said, getting buzz. So if he does make it back to us, hopefully, eventually, he will. Um, in the meantime, though, I guess we can kind of jump through some quick hitters, and I'm sure he'll be able to make it back in here. Uh, I was bringing it up earlier, but about Mackenzie Milton and him getting the offensive analyst gig over there with Tennessee and the Volunteers, a nice opportunity for him. We had discussed it quite a bit. Dustin while at the practices covering him he's a very hands-on guy and he even talked about it in an ESPN interview before coming to Florida State that that was something that he was really highly interested in doing after his college career if things weren't going to go into the pros for him but really cool opportunity for him what do you think about it guys like you said a a pretty cool opportunity for McKenzie Milton as he gets his college college coaching career started in the SEC, obviously played, um, I believe, the majority of his career at UCF under Josh Heupel, or at least the last couple of years prior to transferring over to Florida State to finish things out. So, you know, rejoining a familiar face there um, at Tennessee. And, you know, it'll be exciting to see what he's able to do as he starts to get his feet wet. You're muted, Logan. Uh-oh, there we go. We got you back, Terrence. Sorry about that. My son <laughs> my son actually unplugged the charger for his Nintendo Switch. So yeah, he, he got me. He got me. <laughs> <laughs> All good. All good. No worries. You were you were talking about uh Florida State where they're at and also the buzz that they're getting nationally and, and how nice that is now. Oh uh, man, it's awesome. And sorry about the camera too. I mean, but um they um just to see them, you know, get the recognition from the success they've been having. I mean, it's really cool to see. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz right now around Florida State. So, you know, I'm excited about the season. I have season tickets now. I'm actually going to be able to go be a fan and, you know, tailgate and actually go to the games and stuff. So that would be a really cool experience. But, 
man, Florida State, I feel like they're on their way back, and I'm excited what, you know, Jordan Travis is doing along with, you know, the company that he has. And, man, it's exciting. I feel like Norville has really brought, you know, the standard back to how we play football, how it's supposed to be. And Florida State, they've kind of made it a premium to add some NFL experience to the coaching staff. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, Patrick Sertan Sr., who was hired yeah. by FSU earlier this year and spent some time with the Miami Dolphins. But, you know, what do you think that he could bring to Florida State and make it an impact in that defensive backfield? Uh, anytime you get some experience like that that's able to pass some knowledge, I feel like it's going to be great. Um, I feel like we already got – a really good secondary and, you know, having him at the reins of, you know, being with those guys every day and passing knowledge and getting the most out of them, I feel like it's only going to be beneficial. So it, it's, it's, that's an exciting thing to do. I love to see great secondary play and I'll be definitely tuned in this year to see what they can do. I feel like we've seen a team growing and, and still maturing. And we always talked about it a couple of years ago where Florida state lost a lot of accountability between their teammates and such. How much do you think that plays into Florida state or if a football team overall finding success, holding each other accountable and not making those mistakes as such? Uh, it's huge, man. I feel like that was one thing that our Florida state team in 2013 had that was very essential for us. Um, Okay. He stopped. He said, get buzz. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I think it makes someone – I don't know. I heard myself there, <laughs> and I was like, wait, is there another Logan Robinson out there asking questions? I think someone might have been calling him there. That's something that will happen. But it's nice. We have little snippets here where we just go through <laughs> quick hitters, and they're literally quick hitters. These are true <laughs> quick hitters. Get, yeah. Uh, any thoughts Keep on McKenzie Milton going to Tennessee, Austin? <laughs> I have I have none. I literally have none. <laughs> we're gonna get it together, man. Hey, we're back. We're back. Here we go. We got better. Keeping us on our toes. It's all right. No, right. Stay up. <laughs> but um, for the most part, that um, just having that accountability is huge. It's something that is really gonna the coach. You know, the coaches can only do so much, especially on and off the field. That's when you're really gonna need guys who you know, looking out for each other, you know, getting getting guys to class on time, just kind of being that leader in that sense. Um, and if they have that, man, I feel like they can go far because they definitely have the talent. So that was something I would say that really separated us from, you know, a lot of teams just having guys who are going to hold each other accountable and make sure that we get the most out of them. I meant to ask this earlier and I forgot, but during your time at Florida State, Tallahassee, your favorite <laughs> food spot to go to, during your time and it can be multiple places doesn't have to just be one but yeah, go to a spot after a game practice there's man it's really three and it can be a toss-up just depending on how i'm feeling man um you got mr roboto's fire like i every time i go through tallahassee i'm always on them every the yum yum sauce gotta have it bro. come on now mm. um we got mr roboto's we got gordo's gordo's is like you know another staple and um Hobbit Hoagies. I don't know if they're still up there, but Hobbit Hoagies is definitely a spot, you know, that just had to go to. Best wings in the town. 100% right there with you. And we, we don't mess with that chicken nugget with sauce on them, right? These are bone-in wings. Oh, yeah, got to have them. But, you know, another place I slept on, man, is uh, it's Guthrie's. That was my spot, too. Got to yep. have it. Great chicken. Mm -hmm. 
I know we're kind of getting here towards the end of the interview, but just wanted to ask you real quick, you know, obviously the national championship has got to be up there, but just what are some of your favorite memories uh, from your time at Florida State, whether it's on or off the field? Uh, I would say – I would say, honestly, the community work with the guys. I feel like that was something that was, that was really cool and gave us another chance to bond, just to be able to get out in community and get in front of those kids and guys that they really, you know, look up to. They saw that, you know, we cared about them and wanted to come out, you know, all the visits to the hospitals and – all the little charity work and stuff like that. I feel like that was a, a very memorable time with the guys. And, you know, anytime we got out the field, I feel like, you know, going and blowing teams out and then going out after that, the pop bellies and stuff, that was a cool little <laughs> – that was like our tradition every single time. <laughs> Brian Stork told me that, that the first time he met Nick O'Leary was whenever Nick O'Leary was visiting on a recruiting trip and Nick O'Leary was all by himself walking around and pop bellies and he thought it was one of the weirdest things he's ever seen in his life. Not surprised. Not surprised. <laughs> he was probably walking through a thing about football routing somebody. <laughs> Not the girls, but football. Right. Right. That does sound like Nick. Well, Terrence, appreciate you staying on here uh, for a good lengthy time. And this is something we've been looking forward to for a good while. And hopefully maybe throughout the season next year, get your thoughts on the team and some games and some recaps. That would be phenomenal. Definitely, man. I appreciate y'all having me, bro. Yeah. Be safe. Have some safe travels up to Tallahassee. Come to the games. Good luck to y'all, too. And nice, Phil, this upcoming season. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Have a good one, man. Go Knows. Appreciate it, Terrence. See you, Terrence. Sweet deal. That was a great interview there. We got Terrence. I knew it would be great. We had we had the technical parts of it, but you know, we had some transitions. It was good. I like it. Like I said, I mean, you know, you never know what you're gonna get on here the spear, but it was really cool to, you know, hear some thoughts on his time at Florida State. Obviously played at FSU and in Tallahassee during one of the most successful times in program history. And, you know, on that team, which many could sit, many can argue is the greatest college team of all time, you know, talking about Florida state in 2013 and, you know, a guy who went on to have a very successful career in the NFL and now transitioning into coaching. So you've got to be really excited for what Terrence Brooks has done and, you know, what he's going to do in the future as well. Yep. Ton of experience too. While, and the NFL um, had a great career. Still don't know if that's fully over yet. Um, but, you know, having some great coaches that he was under, I think is going to lead him throughout what I think he should be very successful at is that being on the sideline. A lot of former Knowles. You look at Kenny Shaw, you look at James Water, you look at Carlos Williams. A lot of these guys from that team all out now coaching. And I, they're so young. Just, just give it. Yeah, five, ten years. I mean, I think these guys are going to have some serious opportunities, and there's even some more, too, that are even further in their careers on the coaching side. So it just goes to show, man, you know, what can breed off of some of the staff that Florida State was doing with them is giving some opportunities in a cool way for some of these uh, – some younger kids right now. Uh, let's jump into some quick hitters, gentlemen. We already talked about McKenzie Millen. Don't need to dive into that too long let's talk about some kickoff times we've got some kickoff times in late may but florida state as we know is going to be kicking off prime time against lsu in orlando to kick off the 2023 season but we've got the next two times after that and this next one's going to be a late night kickoff and doke dustin you know now i'm contemplating if i'm gonna be there <laughs> 
<laughs> not. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think I'm going to try to be there there for that season opener. But Florida State is going to kick off against Southern Miss at 8.30 p.m. 8.30. 8.30. I'm hoping. That's, that's late. Like Terrence said, it's fun blowing out teams. So I'm hoping Florida State can do the same thing. And that can go by quicker. Please. Please. <laughs> please but that's gonna be on acc network and then you've got your third game against boston college and that one's gonna be at noon that's a little bit better but it's gonna be on national television on abc and i want to say what was it in 2013 was that a thursday night game or was that a no it was was saturday yeah it was a saturday game and i feel like that was also on abc and it might have been it was either at noon or 3 30 i remember (laughs) being early yeah but uh, yeah, three nationally national primetime times, I guess you can say. I mean, ACC <laughs> Network still can irritate the living flying, you know what, out of me. But uh, the perk of it is that uh, maybe that that'll actually get me to go to the up there and drive to there it. You go. Have to deal with ACC Network and their commercials. Everybody in the chat and also listening to the podcast would agree, hundred and twenty percent. Yeah, a lot of eyes are going to be on Florida State. You know, we talked about the LSU kickoff time, I think, last week. But, man, that Southern Miss game is going to be late, probably not going to be in until around midnight. So, you know, make sure to take a nap before you head to Doak for that one. And then uh, I'm actually planning to take the trip to Boston to go cover this one up north. So, I mean, man, the weather is going to be beautiful and definitely uh, looking forward to it. 100%. Um, And then – Going through a, a few other things, Keon Coleman, now official guys, saw him along with Key Sampson. Uh, also saw Blake Nicholson and their latest, you know, social posts. But having Coleman official, I think the bigger news though, he's going to be wearing number four, Micah Pittman's uh, old number. But uh, everything official, official. Everything's got to be official for everyone to know. But it's hey. nice to get these guys here, man. Definitely when you have the talent of that magnitude, I'm really excited to see where where really Randy Shannon can develop Blake Nicholson. I, I think Blake Nicholson is a little bit more polished as a linebacker. It's probably one of the most more polished linebackers Florida State has had coming in in a long while, in my opinion. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this guy – get a couple opportunities early in his career, definitely in his freshman season, you know, they'll still want to redshirt him, but he's one that I think Randy Shannon is like licking his chops. This, this kid is talented. Yeah. And sticking with Keon Coleman, I think it's just, it was something to monitor. Cause I mean, you never know if these transfers at this point, nothing's official, you know, until they're enrolled and going through, going through classes. I mean, even then it's a little bit, up in the air, you know, we've already seen what Florida State had to deal with earlier this offseason with Darrell Jackson and committing to Florida State and then maybe going back to Miami, but then eventually sticking with Florida State, you know, same thing with Casey Roddick as well. So, I mean, huge for this addition of Keon Coleman to become official. Like you said, he's going to be wearing number four and sounds like Mike Norvell really excited about this one. Um, Norvell said he, he is a productive playmaker who has already showcased his immense talents at the collegiate level brings size, speed, and an aggressive mindset to our receiver position. He is an ideal fit with our program built for playmakers, and his unique skill set will help us continue to field one of the most explosive offenses in college football. So, I mean, it sounds like the Seminoles are looking forward to getting the ground running uh, with Keon Coleman getting him added alongside uh, 
Johnny Wilson and Kentron and the rest of those guys in that receiving unit coming back to Florida State in 2023. Looking forward to that. I'm, I'm like literally trying to figure out my schedule. That's what I've been doing this week is trying to figure out how I can get up there to the beginning of fall camp because that's going to be a fun one to watch right off the bat and where Florida State's going to be able to utilize Coleman. But, you know, going back to the spring and watching a few things that they were doing with Jaheim Bell and the returning talent, it, it's and then I don't know. It's just it's crazy that we go from elevating it to elevating it even more for Mike Norvell. What Coach Atkins can do, the variety of different things they can do against the defense is going to be spectacular. I really liked what we saw last year with what Mike Norvell was using that talent, and I thought there were some games where he called it beautifully. There was I didn't. I, I don't know. I've just seen growth in that, and I don't know if that had to do with Dillingham no longer being there. But I, I really liked some of the games that. Mike Norvell was building behind Jordan Travis and making that a game where he could be the game manager. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I'm just, you know, want to get up there and see that. And then of course, when we get to Orlando, it's, Ooh, I'm, I'm already, I, I kind of get that itching feel that I'm like, all right, this break has been nice. It definitely has been nice. But when you've got a team like this, the talent, and you've got a, some players that are fully bought in and a staff like this, it makes you super excited to get, you know what, screw it. Give me a month closer at least, please. Yeah. I mean, we try not to overhype it, but, I mean, you might literally be looking at the best offense in college football this upcoming season. I don't think it's a stretch to say that. Uh, You're talking about a team that averaged over 470 yards of offense and over 35 points a game a season ago, and they simply got better in the tight end room and the receiver room. They had their running backs come back outside of – Trishon Ward on the offensive line. They brought everybody back basically and added some experience. So, I mean, the sky's the limit. We'll see what they're able to turn it into. But on paper, I mean, this is the most stacked offense that Florida State has had since the national championship run. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. yeah. They, they may not have the, the Dalvin Cook on this team, but the overall talent's much better than anything we've seen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian Stork, we just did a deep dive in a lot of the newcomers who we think will make an impact this upcoming season. And, you know, he was just super excited to talk about Destin Hill and what he's going to bring. And then defensively, Braden Fisk, he thinks that's going to be someone that is going to play a pivotal factor alongside with Fabian Lovett. That's just a duo that I'm super stoked to see in a game. You know, firsthand, we'll see that against LSU and talent versus talent. I mean, they're just... So many storylines going in that LSU game. So I'm, if you can't tell, I'm just ready to speed some things up. That's for sure. Uh, let's talk about a player that just got on scholarship. This is redshirt senior long snapper James Rosenberry. Rosen, Rosen. We might have to talk to him and, and get some confirmation there. But uh, he just got put on scholarship as a redshirt senior. Uh, Dustin, you specifically craft your work and your analysis deeply David, into the, yeah yeah i know you were <laughs> but yeah this is something that you dive deep into and definitely when it comes to recruiting i mean you're you're making sure you're on top of it uh thoughts on this on him getting the scholarship and uh yeah yeah it's, i mean it's kind of funny because i i dove into this battle a couple of times over the last couple of years i believe it was before the 2021 season was when we really got this going and you know Rosenberry was eventually able to – he started off, obviously, as a starting long snapper for the punting unit, but then was able to assume the kicking duties. And down the stretch of that 2021 season, Ryan Fitzgerald had a pretty strong finish um, to the year. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously this is a way for Mike Norvell and Florida state to celebrate walk-ons who have went above and beyond the level expected of them and, you know, provided some really important things to the program. I mean, you think of other guys like Trishon Ward who went from walk-on to scholarship player, also Parker Rothhouse, a former kicker as well at Florida state who had the same thing, earned a scholarship for his final season in Tallahassee. So, I mean, this is really Florida state rewarding someone for, uh, their performance. It doesn't, you know, take up a scholarship for more years than this upcoming season with him entering his final year of eligibility, but just a way to to honor him. And, you know, I also think maybe it says that Florida State might not be making any other additions ahead of the 2023 season if they're comfortable enough to go ahead and allocate a scholarship to a walk-on. So, I mean, that'll be something to monitor this summer. Florida State, you know, they were adding guys into June and July a season ago, so we'll see how it works out. But, I mean, just from the outside looking in, that's kind of maybe what this process says to me. It's Dustin. kind of like what we speculated either last week or the week before. Just, you know, there's they may have open spots, but there's not a lot of guys that are going to want to come in and compete for a backup role. So might as well give it to a guy that's not going to take up scholarships in the future and just reward them for their time in Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. I brought up a question to you, Dustin, while we were talking on the phone earlier today, but – uh, you know, I think the immediate reaction will be like, well, when there maybe be someone else, maybe like a CJ Campbell, who is 100 percent going to see a lot of PT this upcoming season, who has put on uh, uh, put on a great spring camp. He continues to do that and will be utilized quite a bit in 2023. What's maybe the best ex- explanation for that? Because that's probably who I that, that was my question. I was like, OK, well, we got to keep an eye out for CJ Campbell getting his soon. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's important to know we're not exactly sure where things stand with, like you said, C.J. Campbell, Kaiseya Holmes, Preston Daniel, Dante Anderson. We're not sure if those guys are on scholarship or not, per se. I mean, it's not really something Florida State doesn't like to provide that sort of clarification on things. But assuming those guys who join the programs as walk-ons are still walk-ons at this point of time, you know, like we were saying uh, with with Rosenberry, you know, going into his final year of eligibility – And then you look at those four guys who all have, you know, at least two years, if not three or more years remaining in their respective um, college careers. So, I mean, I think it really just comes down to Florida State not wanting to commit to a spot over multiple years and more of just doing it this year so that they don't have to not quote unquote waste. But, you know, they don't have that allocated when they're looking at who they're bringing in in this 2024 high school recruiting class, maybe guys that they're going to go after during the transfer portal window. Um, following the 2023 season, they just want to make sure that they've got that number in their back pocket to use. Gotcha. And then one last thing before we hop off out of here, Florida State recruiting start going to start bumping up. Dustin's about to turn from little white here to he's going to be red. And it's going to be I'm a tomato. red right now. Yeah. Well, are you blushing? Are you, so you admitting you're blushing? Just been getting a lot of sun in preparation. Mm. Yeah, prepping for it. it wasn't because of that Celtics game and you having rage inside that head, right? <laughs> no, that's definitely not what it was. Okay, sure. okay. But yeah, six official visits happening this weekend. D. Lou, um, can you mention some of those names for us? Definitely, yeah. Moving into the month of June, huge recruiting month for Florida State. Going to pretty much have visitors in um, every weekend throughout the month, except for the second weekend. Florida State's going to be hosting an elite prospect camp and having a lot of uh, – other top high school recruits on campus during that time. But, yeah, it's all going to get started this Friday. Like Logan said, six guys coming in. That'll be a four-star running back, Christian Clark, four-star offensive lineman, Nair Daniels, 
four-star linebacker Edwin Spillman, four-star cornerback Wardell Mack, three-star defensive back Rydarius Morgan, and three-star defensive back Jaquavius Marshall. So six uh, top targets coming in for Florida State. Um, Clark has already been to Tallahassee once this year back in the spring, and his mom actually went to Florida State. So, I mean, he's kind of a, a quote-unquote legacy prospect a little bit and someone that Florida State likes a lot. Um, Nair Daniels has already been down to FSU twice, someone from up in the New Jersey area. Um, and Florida State obviously has expanded that offensive line board a lot throughout the spring, and he's definitely someone that they're keeping an eye on. Spillman, same thing. I mean, one of the top linebackers to know on a board that's you know not extremely deep at this point of the recruiting cycle. Tennessee, probably the main competition there um, with him being from that state. So we'll see if Florida State able to pull something off and maybe land his commitment. Wardell Mack coming in. He was also at FSU earlier this year coming from the state of Louisiana. Um, some see him as an LSU lean at this point of time. So this is another one for to say, you know, maybe facing an uphill battle here, but they'll get the first official visit to kind of, um, you know, make an impression on him. And then the other two guys, Rydarius Morgan and Jaquavius Marshall, too, that Florida State is evaluating a lot. And actually Jaquavius um, Marshall, someone that I'm looking at, six foot five um, coming into this official visit. So, I mean, you know, that's a very big defensive back and you know going to be exciting to see him in person and see what Florida State thinks about his abilities but I mean you know you've got some really good talent coming in for this first weekend it's just going to continue to grow you know we mentioned Charles Lester last week coming in that uh I believe June 14th ish or so date but I mean man the last weekend of that month is going to be absolutely crazy and it's going to be huge for Florida State to have these guys on campus you know continue to foster those relationships with the coaching staff and also with the prospect and their family, because a lot of these guys are going to be making decisions before the season. And, you know, depending on how these go, uh, could set the course for if Florida State's able to finish this 2024 cycle with a top five class. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a fun summer, most certainly. VZ, we've got one thing basketball-wise for our Florida State Seminoles. What do you have for us? So it's – not anything too crazy, just keep an eye on it. There was an initial shortlist for North Dakota State transfer, Grant Nelson, uh, Alabama, Baylor, Florida State, and Iowa. Super talented kid, averaged you know, 18, 9, and 2 last season for North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was kind of surprised to see Florida State in that initial shortlist. The, the same accounter reported that there was a magnificent 7 ACC school um, heavily involved in the process, and everyone's like, oh, it's Miami. They've got a whole bunch of open slots. Then he says, later, it's Florida State, and you're just like, hmm. So just something we're keeping an eye on. It, until a visit sets up, I know he's planning on visiting Alabama, but until Florida State sets up a visit, I'm not I'm not that concerned, but it is, you know, something to know. Extremely talented player. Would certainly help this offense. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, those are some good numbers. You think Florida State, I mean, you'll probably ask around a little bit, but I wonder how close that – connection is there i wonder where florida state is at potentially yeah we'll, we'll see like i said until a visit gets set up it's not yeah. anything to, you know especially especially because florida state doesn't really have any open scholarships and i know you cannot count coach ham scholarships because he'll find a way to make something happen if he needs to but they are maxed right now and the transfer window is closed so uh, just just something to keep an eye on yeah most certainly we'll keep a close eye on it dealer you got anything more anything else not. He said, I hope not. 
I know he's over here looking at his dock, seeing if what what might be up there. He's checking. No, he's probably what? he's probably still mentally recovering from Monday night. Yeah, hundred percent. Tough scenes. Tough scenes. Can't win them all, you know. Can't win them all. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, that, we we are about to end this month, and then we can officially say uh, there's there's four months away. The perk of last year, though, Florida State kicked off in August, but now this is September, so can't really say that as much. So it doesn't really mean a whole ton. But at least we are one month closer starting tomorrow which is good and i'm all about it i'm super excited we're growing as a team for no game day two to prepare for this season to make sure we give you guys the best coverage as possible so looking forward to announcing some of our new additions to the no game day.com team but the show goes on we'll be here no matter what we're working as and trying hard to bring on some guests for you guys to at least fill up the time and the void that we have right now until we get to a little bit more of some recruiting coverage. And of course, once we get into some workouts and get to fall camp. So we are guys are going to keep delivering some content to you all. Appreciate everybody watching a lot of our latest videos, definitely with Brian Stork and the calculated chaos. If you guys want to go and watch some film breakdown of some of Florida state's newcomers, that video has done really well and appreciate everybody giving us a chance there with a show that we just kind of came up with and, Brian does a phenomenal job of breaking down some of these some of these guys that are coming in. So we'll be doing that all throughout the season next year. So we're definitely diversifying and trying to expand uh, a lot of different ways we're giving coverage to y'all. So I just appreciate y'all hanging out with us and going through the the old the old boring months of the off season while we're at it. So, but yeah, appreciate y'all. Have a great rest of y'all's week. As always, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. If you're on YouTube right now, before you leave, we definitely appreciate it. If you just simply hit that like button, it uh, would be definitely much appreciated. It helps us get some more FSU fans in here on a weekly basis. But yeah, enjoy the rest of the week. Good luck to Florida State softball as they start their run in OKC. Seems like they got a pretty damn good squad, so excited to watch them uh, the next couple of days while they're up there. So good luck to them. Right, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Peace. Mama told me not to